Welcome back to another episode of Cargumentative, where regular guys talk stuff about cars. Um, are we that regular? I'm not convinced. You are very regular. I think, we're, I think we're rather special. If oh. we were more regular, yeah. we'd be more entertaining. Possibly. We're boring. Some of us wouldn't be as stuck up, but that's another topic for another day. Mark is exceptionally irregular, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> guys, briefly, what have you all been up to? It's, it's been a while, and uh, some of us have been jet-setting around the world again. Where were you, Tom? I wasn't anywhere. I was stuck in my chair. <laughs> um, yeah, some of us have. We did a little trip to Goodwood, myself and Nadav. Mm, that's right. You did a Goodwood revival, not Festival of Speed. I always get the two confused. Yep. But the revival's the one you actually want to go to. What are the rules? Like everything older than 1965? 66. Okay. So revival's pre-66 because that's when the circuit closed. Ah. Um, there were some awful accidents and they closed the circuit after that. Uh, to racing and so the Goodwood Revival revives the pre-66 days and that so chicane is now made of polystyrene correct yeah. oh was makes, it on the chicane which makes which makes which makes driving into it even more spectacular yep mm. white <laughs> everywhere ooh, ooh. ooh. Sorry. swear box we'll bleep that out <laughs> <laughs> sorry everyone um, we'll touch on Goodwood again later because uh, I want to know all about that but you guys yeah. also went to um, went to the Nürburgring Nürburgring. How is that for you? Pretty good. Fantastic. Did it what blow your mind? Everyone needs to do that yeah. at some point in their lives. Every petrol head. Everyone who likes driving. Mm. What did you What did you buy from the shop when you got off? Uh, the vomit bag. Stickers. 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 Just stickers. How did you resist? <laughs> I just did. I ended up I with still a had floor mat, a mug, stickers, <laughs> and a hat. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, still I don't know. I couldn't. I'm not quite sure why I bought floor mats, but. <laughs> well, because it's just, it looks cool. Can, then you can say, I've got the Nürburgring Edition Alpha 4C, and if it's a universal mat set, then you can just switch it between cars all the it's, time. It's true. I actually have it in my man cave, and it's my opening thing that mm. people say, Nürburgring, I was... I was there. I was there. Oh, yeah. I, was I will say, the, the strange, the, the one thing that stands, it's about it's two or three weeks later after the Nürburgring, the one thing that stands out for me, having watched probably hours and hours of footage of the Nürburgring before and played it on video games etc is mm. actually you do not get any idea of how narrow that place is mm. it is so narrow it's like a little country road yep. blew my mind and I'm every single say. corner looks the same and you can't see a thing yeah through the corners through the corners well, that's the, the trees is, I mean especially when it's like summary when you were there mm. same Nothing time I was it. there when were you there Tom I think I was there um, you said launch of GTR clubs? Or yeah, I can't about two years ago. It was two years ago, but I can't remember what season it was. But, but we did have rain. So we started we off dry and then it poured with and rain. And you had rain. Uh, we all yeah. had rain. It always r- rains at the Nürburgring. But thankfully, I got two full laps in. How many did you do? Two. You? Two. You? One. Oh. <laughs> they closed, they closed dun, the ring. Dun. They closed the ring. I traveled all the way. I spent all the money and I got one lap of the ring. The most expensive 13 minutes of my life. Absolutely oh, really? Yeah? Without question. More, yeah. more than the strip club? Uh, no comments. Okay. But, but it, yeah, so, so you paid for two and you got one, huh? No, he didn't <laughs> pay for two. No, but uh, the, there's, there's so much. Uh, all the way there, though. So the plane ticket. And indeed. Mike always pays for one, but gets two. <laughs> True that. <laughs> also, so on the narrowness, <laughs> elevation. And elevation. So a lot of like, we drive a 1600 Suzuki Swift, all of us. You literally oh. have to change down a gear to get up some of the hills. 
Yeah. So it's it's like yeah, but it's misleading. But the, the the crazy thing that I found was just how many fast corners there were. Like fifth gear corner, literally yeah, yeah. the car's chipping away. You can feel it budging offline. Like it's terrifying because you know that you you can't see what's coming. You know that there's something that's just going to jump on you. It's going to be a blind corner. The road's just going to drop away from you. Yeah, <laughs> man. Well, and of course, and you're, you're not alone. I mean, you, you've yeah. got people who... It com- varying levels of skill driving all around you, up and down, inside, the outside, 300 That's k's. crazy. Delta speeds, you know, um, quite a stressful experience, but absolutely. It was worth it. But also, I mean, as you said, um, you mentioned you tried some preparation with uh, video games. And, I mean, I found, <coughs> before I went, I played... Um, Need for speed? No, it wasn't Need for Speed. The other one, Grand Grand Turismo. Ah, they're all the same. And uh, no, Project Cars same. is but really isn't. But and so something like, to talk about. I played that for a while, and I thought, okay, I kind of know where this is going. And you get to the track in real life, and you have no idea where where you're going because, as we touched on before, you got all those elevation changes which just don't come through um, in the video game, um, and it, I, I mean, it completely melted my face off. Um, and I think it's w- one of the most challenging, scary, it's awesome, like mind-blowing racetracks I've ever been on. And massive respect to anybody who can drive that thing in like a GT3 car at top speed through the night yeah. in the rain. I mean, that's just yeah, like that's major props. And to think that guys did that in Formula One back yeah. in the 70s, which are basically like these super fast highly flammable you know fuel tanks on wheels <laughs> as Nicky Lauda knows as Nicky Lauda knows well yeah. it's just you, I mean those guys were heroes absolutely and the it just makes the 919 onboard lap just mm. so go and impressive. watch it if you have already it's just yeah indeed go and watch it speaking about 919s and Porsches we're going to touch on some news ooh nice touch segue yeah. very nice I'm getting good at impressive. this impressive I'm impressed very impressive like a Tomcat. Reflexes of wow. a Tomcat. Unbelievable. Anyway, Porsche has ditched diesel. I don't know if you guys saw that today. <clears throat> yeah, Is I that, did. Yeah, you saw that? What do you think? Yay, nay? Well, they had to. Well. Being part of the VW group. Yeah, but VW hasn't ditched diesel. They're still making Yeah, diesels. but Porsche wanted to preempt it. They want to look like mm. the cleaner, red-headed stepchild. So, will the diesel Porsches become collectible oddities? Oh, good question, Mark. Mm. Because... They made, I think South Africa probably had quite a high percentage diesels sold relative to like the petrols compared yeah. to the rest of the Especially world. Especially with Cayennes and yeah. pro- probably Panamera. And I don't well. think it was like that common. I mean, in America, you wouldn't find a diesel Cayenne or a Panamera. No. So I don't think there were that many made. And because they were largely appliances, a lot of them will just get completely tanked and they won't end up on the road. So at a point in time, there's not going to be that many of them. I must admit, having driven a diesel Panamera, thought it was exceptional so one of us of course arrived here ironically in a diesel Porsche <laughs> <laughs> uh, ironic well no uh, ironically it's not uh, you know it's not that it, ironic it anymore. might have been yeah, when you come a second time it's definitely not irony uh, it's, it's, it's twice in a row now habitual. that I've come in a diesel KM <laughs> and um, I, I don't know I mean I think I think the issue with Porsche dropping diesel is that they were probably uh, I, I do love the word foisted and so I think the engines were foisted onto them because of the technology mm. sharing within the VW group and unfortunately, they got lumbered uh, with technology that they perhaps would not have been completely comfortable with. But diesel was popular and you had to produce diesels. And if you didn't make a diesel, you were mad. But we also so said last time that an SUV should be a diesel. I, 
I totally agree. I mean, I was on the launch of the new Cayenne about two weeks ago, and there was no diesel. And I was like, you know what? I actually miss the diesel Cayenne. I, and I think there should be one. In, because the torque overcomes the weight. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's also, a good car. And it's also a good car. No you question. get better fuel economy. I don't care what people say. I mean, I had the RT on 2D to TDI on test a couple of weeks ago. Great thing. It did like 540 Ks on half a tank. You know? Fantastic. But do you not care about the seals? No. <laughs> yeah, they were, that's controversial. A, no. It's the controversy about the misleading emissions figures in the yeah, end that killed diesel. But no. again, it's what we touched on last time. Is diesel the enemy per se? Is it is a diesel engine a bad thing or is it just the emissions misconception that's killed it? And In I the end, it doesn't matter. It seems like it's dead for now. It does, which is a shame. So Porsche and diesel crashing out. Another crash, um, BMW South Africa. Don't know if you guys saw that. Um, wow, how terrible. I saw the pictures. I just don't know the backstory. Will you... So yeah. so the backstory was up. last week, I think it was on Thursday or Wednesday, I don't know, all the days bleed into one these days. Um, <coughs> there were pictures on social media doing the rounds of uh, BMW SA's recently restored 325 IS, the E30. Guys have spent a lot of time getting this car, redoing it, the engine, the body. It was it was a really nice car. Some of the journalists got to drive it. I didn't. Um, I drove the 333 last year, uh, which was quite special. Anyway... Um, that car was involved in a big prank, and it looks like a head-on. I contacted BMW SA, and they said basically the car was being moved from an event back to its storage facility in Pretoria, and something went wrong. That's something being a head-on crash with what looked to be like a Toyota Quantum. And that's all I could get out of them. So E30 BMWs are widely regarded as virtually impossible to keep ownership of Mm. because they tend to get stolen so frequently. So, I mean, I think that BMW shouldn't be overly upset about this because if it hadn't crashed, it probably wasn't going to make it back there anyway. (laughs) Controversial. Controversial. It's like one of those watches, a, a Patek Philippe. You yeah. never truly own a Patek Philippe. <laughs> yeah. Like, you never truly own a BMW 325iS. You're just holding on to it until somebody takes it off you at gunpoint. Yeah. What is it? So, so just so for, I always try and sort of, you know, bring it down from Anorak level for a minute, you know. So, okay. an E30 325iS. Can we just, can Wait. we just pass those numbers for a minute? Can we, can we work on what that is exactly? The box shape. The box shape. Who will tell us what's so impressive about a 325? Why is it such a big loss? Well, the E30 is like one of the best cars BMW ever made. It's Why? one of the best driving cars. Because it just is because the balance is right. The ergonomics are right. You sit in that cabin. Everything is is, is perfectly angled around the driver. Uh, I mean, I've driven. Sounds good. It sounds great. It's nice and analog. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's a proper hands-on driver's Small. car. Small. Small. Um, Orange and was instrument this an IS Evo 1 or Evo 2? I don't know. I don't know, but it was a three to five ice. I'm assuming it was probably an Evo two. Aluminium bootlid and doors. I don't know. I'm um, asking because I think Mark knew them about these things mm. when he was young, huh? I didn't, and that's way too anorak-y. Move on. What's a three to five IS? Uh, it was a two point five. It was taken out to two point seven liters, and they used it for Group N racing. Mm. Um, the interesting thing was so that uh, it homologation didn't, special. It didn't, didn't oh, yeah, it was a homologation special, that's and actually impressive. the body kit was unique to South Africa. I think they offered it as an aftermarket thing overseas, if I'm not wrong. But it did get beaten by the Superboss quite regularly. Huh? Yeah. Well, on certain tracks. Because Opals are just awesome. <coughs> moving swiftly <laughs> along. Yeah, <laughs> moving swiftly along. We lost that Opal make a decent car. RIP R325. What did the guy on the ring BMW call the Opal, uh, Opal Ashtray? 
yes. instead of an Opal Astra. I think it was an Opal Astra. <laughs> He's just jealous. <laughs> yeah, because he bought it for five hundred pounds yeah. and like, yeah. then knows that he could write it off without. Well, it's now part of. Peugeot, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's Opal, glory days, Opal's long glory days. How beautiful is that new? Or still to come? Peugeot concept. Know. Oh my god! Five hundred four Peugeot concept. <sighs> yeah. Pininfarina coupe they'll looks fantastic. They'll never make it. They'll never yeah, make, it, they'll oh never make god, it. Beautiful. You know why? Look at the look at the windscreen and yeah, the A, a and B and B pillars and C pillars. They're too thin. It's not possible unless it's a carbon structure. This is not Very possible. Sad. We're not get we're getting ahead of ourselves. Sorry. <coughs> so from BMW, we move to. One of their biggest we rivals. St- we stay in southern Mercedes Benz, southern Germany. You so guys like uh, fast, hot, fast, hot, fast, hatchbacks. Fast, fast hatchbacks. We do. Yeah, you do. So Mercedes bringing out at the Paris Motor Show, beginning of uh, October, the Mercedes AMG A35, <laughs> which is just one below the A45. Oh. Two hundred and twenty kilowatts, rumored, round about there. Uh, pricing just under seven hundred thousand, estimated. Looking at a zero to hundred time, estimated under five seconds. All wheel drive. All wheel drive. I like the sound of this car. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to ask the question straight to you. Mm. This thing is a German hot hatch. You must absolutely hate it. I mean, it's it's like not a like a half loaf, Daihatsu. Yeah, it's, it's um, not quirky at all. No, like this thing is far too slick for you. Look. It ticks all the boxes. Yeah, no, no, this thing. Nobody and nothing is perfect, you know. But uh, you hate but perfection. I do. <laughs> it's got to be flawed. So I, I Not think just that flawed, the, horribly flawed. <laughs> I think the the A thirty five AMG that we're talking about that sits underneath the A forty five. To me, it's an admission that something was wrong in the last generation. I think that what they're admitting is that they actually went too far with the A forty five, and that there was a gap in the range that was never filled. And perhaps they they could have sold more GTI type, slightly less powerful, slightly cheaper AMGs if they'd had a, a model in between. Well, that's the big thing, actually. So they keep looking for niches and stuff. And like AMG badges and M badges mm-hmm. just are ridiculous because, I mean, it used to be that if you saw an M badge on a car and it wasn't originally sold on the car, like you could have a tilt at the person. But nowadays, I think every car can be ordered with all the M badges and AMG and stuff like that. I don't know. Remember when you used to see an AMG? It was like it was, a, it was like an SL55, and you knew that that thing was yeah. it was legit, ridiculous, and it was legit. Exactly. Yeah, now all of them have it. Because right. you know what M stands for nowadays? No. Marketing. Uh-huh. <laughs> chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say, speaking of badging, though, so because all the M and AMG and everything has become so ubiquitous, what was interesting when we were in Germany recently is there seems to be a trend towards debadging. And that was kind of cool. So now you take a nondescript estate and you remove all the badging on it only to make it a little bit more nondescript. And I think that's kind of cool. That could be no, cool. That's epic. So taking an M car, a real M car, removing the M badges. Making it into a Q car. Making it into a Q car. That is cool. What also may be cool, may not be cool, is Ferrari announced oh. that most of their cars by 2022 will be hybrids. So we're fine with hybrid, yeah. aren't we? I'm not convinced. Well, we f- it's talkful. Talkful is a new word for hybrid. It's awesome. Yeah, but it's just it's just indicative of the fact that they're trying to remove the driver from the equation. But I think that there's something else that Ferrari um, that they announced that's even more relevant. Mm-hmm. They're going to be building an SUV. Oh. Yeah. Which now I mean, oh. so there's two ways to look at this. Like one is that 
they are completely now going with the uh, the, other, the rest of the, the crowd and having to try and fill their uh, order books by producing cars that are just not sports cars or that they may actually finally build an SUV that is unique because the, 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 the Lambo is just a, it's a Q7. So I, I don't understand. And, and, and Aston's actually doing the same. They're building one as well. So possibly they will build some something quite spectacular. I think it's just catering for the masses. They need to sell cars. That's what sells at the moment. SUVs are the new uh, wagons. In in this country, certainly no one drives wagons anymore. Everyone drives an SUV. Has the same accommodation. But Ferrari is unique in that they've made a success from s- selling sports cars only. Unlike Porsche. They've managed to make that whole business of sports cars only incredibly profitable. Their order books are full. What's the mm. need to create an SUV? I it agree. seems very strange to me. Who are they catering for? But, well, Why must mm. they expand their production? I don't think they need to. I agree. Why did they make Fine. the California then? I don't have an answer there. I don't have an answer You see? Uh, well, no one knows. I'd rather knows. have a Ferrari SUV than a California. There, what? I said it. <laughs> no chance. That's how much I hate the California. It's a debate for another evening. <laughs> a debate the, for another evening. Is the California the, the Mondial of now? It might be, but it's it going to be enormous be. value. Mm, well, and, 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 and so is a Mondial. None of us have driven one. Wrapping up news, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when you get back, we're going to talk about the Goodwood Revival. <laughs> Welcome back to Cargumentative. This is section two of the show, and we're going to be chatting to Mark and Nadav about their adventures overseas, which, to me, I think the one of the, the coolest things you guys did was go to the Goodwood Revival. It was very cool. We're very lucky. It's a three-day event in Chichester in the southern UK. Is it on the coast? It's very close to. Okay. What, 20 minutes away? Yeah. And why is it so amazing? I mean, I mean, I know, but there are some people out there who don't well, actually know what it's all about. So, so like we said earlier, it's for cars that raced pre-1966. You have to dress in period. Which no, is no cool. it is literally the, it's like the Comic-Con for Anorak. It is. For motoring, it's yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a proper time warp. I mean, you can take a photograph mm. anywhere on the circuit, and if you know anybody, you'd think you were in 1966. And just pretty to, amazing. And just to make sure that we get back into the swing of things, uh, Nadav is sitting here wearing his uh, his flat Goodwood, Goodwood flat cap. You've got a Goodwood. And he looks very uh, dark by flat image. cap. Yeah. So you you actually you have to dress up. If you don't dress up, you'll stick out like a sore thumb. So you're standing in this enormous throng of hundred thousand people coming to see. Is it that many people? 100, yeah, hundred thousand people coming it's to see crazy, man. coming to see classic car racing. Um, you know, door handle to door handle. And everybody's dressed up in period clothing, and and all the shops are look period, and it's 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 actually it's an incredible spectacle, and and, and all kinds of, uh, of course, there's you know there's all kinds of other events and, the, and shows that they put on in in the interim, yeah, airplanes flying overhead, Spitfires and hurricanes and incredible stuff, really. So I've got a question. I mean, I I watch this on on uh, YouTube and streaming sites and stuff like that every year, and the cars always look like. They're going really fast, almost too fast for what they are. I don't know if this is, is like a, a trick of the screen or is it, is it actually... No, they're just racing flat out. 
Yeah, they literally are racing flat out. They are. It looks faster because they mm-hmm. don't handle nearly as well as today's cars. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot more body roll and you've got a bit more tail happy cornering. But it's something to watch. But that's the yeah. attraction yeah, they were, they of was also in period. Yeah. That's how they did race. They always raced them sideways. Exactly. Whether it was efficient or not, I mean, in modern context, probably not. But I mean, just the thing that stuck out for me was that that you know we you very kindly patched me in so I could watch live off your cell phone um, the start of the one race and the 250 GTO actually crashed. I mean, the 250 GTO is <laughs> f- a 50 million US dollar car was being raced wheel to wheel with other cars of similar value yep. and it end up having a proper accident yeah i won't Amazing. uh i won't crash your dreams today unfortunately but there's a there's an issue with uh with replicas uh, but we can discuss that another day no there so are some mm. but some of them were also real no but not the gto the gto wasn't was it oh i don't know he maybe knows i don't know so what is your favorite car of the of the of good question. all the racing i mean uh for me yeah to see an Alpha GTA. And it was running. Running. Yeah. Three of them. Four of them in the same race. Not leaking. leaking oil? Yeah, how much oil? No oil leaks. Okay, amazing. Aluminium bodied. Mm-hmm. Twin spark. Twin cam. Twin carb. Sure. Pretty special. Very special. What's something like that worth? Uh, probably about uh, four or five million rand, I think. So it's about the money for you. Mike. Yeah. No, I'm just interested. Just let it go. No, yeah. I'll I'll enjoy <laughs> the car. It's probably as valuable yeah. as a 911 S. Whether it's value or not. <laughs> if yeah. you if you have to ask, like Goodwood, yeah, you know, no, no I mean, uh, but I mean, for for argument's sake, there's a race full of GT40s, and they, they those are not replicas; those are real GT40s. Each of them worth millions of pounds. Yeah, um, and just to see them well, in a pack drive past you at full speed, amazing. Uh, well, the actual stat for the Kinrara Cup trophy cup was that the pack was valued at 200 million pounds yeah no, that was the one where the, the gto was in and the bread van won it hey? yeah that's bread right. van bread van followed by an e-type jag convertible amazing yeah and the jags you know jag e-types comp- competing with gto ferraris much cheaper but just as fun to watch yeah mm-hmm. so, so explain the hierarchy there because out of a hundred thousand people like what what were you allowed into and oh, what, so what weren't you allowed so into? So we were allowed to walk around the main pits. When I say the main pits, the very expensive pits. So you could see the back of the cars. You could probably touch them if you wanted to, but we weren't allowed in a very special... Did you touch them? I didn't touch did them. Did you rub yourself <laughs> against them? Did you go home? Did, <laughs> you, did, you, did you touch yourself inappropriately <laughs> after that? But we were allowed amongst enough. I don't feel like I needed to to be allowed among no of course there's there's limited access areas for for goodwood members and the fancy schmancy um but you do not need to have access to those things to enjoy goodwood absolutely not yeah um so talking about touching himself inappropriately (laughs) another part of your spring break okay was you guys going to the roof the roof the roof the roof factory. They call it roof. Roof, where apparently in the Dove saw a titanium Conrad. <laughs> we saw many. And he he nearly lost it right there and then. <laughs> well, Mark was more excited than I was, that's oh, really? for sure. Mark had to sit down. <laughs> uh, but, but hold on. I, I, roof? I think we just assume that anyone knows what roof is. Okay. I mean, so so I was just going to explain that. Roof, roof, yeah. um, roof was a company that started actually in the 40s uh, in Germany. Mm. And they've made a name for themselves 
by associating the company with Porsche. So Riff associated themselves since the 40s. Effectively, they were an engineering firm for cars, and then over the years, they've associated themselves almost inseparably from Porsche. And they've got an incredible engineering re- relationship with Porsche, and they've been modifying Porsches. And the most famous, of course, is the Yellow Riff Yellowbird CTR Bird. with yep. the amazing video around the Nürburgring. You can Google it, have yeah, a look. It's called Fascination of the Nürburgring. A man, a man in chinos. And boating shoes. And boating no shoes. Helmet. <coughs> and no, no helmet. helmet. Whipping his way around the Nürburgring in the but most like sideways with plumes of smoke. Yeah. 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 Coming off the wheels before it was popular with Top Gear. Exactly. <laughs> so, 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 so those who have a little bit of insight might be, might be saying now, oh, okay, well then Roof is like a Jambala or, or something like that. And the truth is that they're not quite like that. They're not modifiers and they'll tell you that. One of the first things they say is that they're not Porsche modifiers. They are a manufacturer in their own right. They actually get their own VIN numbers and their own chassis. And the car is no longer or never was a Porsche and it's a roof on its own. So they can modify Porsches into roofs post-market or you can buy a new roof from roof and it will never have been a Porsche. Um, and just uh, what the scale of the engineering. Um, but now, am I right, they're making a full carbon fiber bodied like sort of a 911 shape so it's a say, silhouette say, they well, called it a it's, silhouette it's close enough it, yeah. I mean you can see slight differences yeah. but it's looks like a 964 because actually the interesting thing is that they used a well d- no because actually the original Yellowbird wasn't based on a 964 it actually predated the 964 it was based on a on a, G, uh, yeah, on a, G, on a G-spec body but the interesting narrow thing body. was yeah it was a narrow body and the new ones the carbon fiber ones are wide bodies oh. I didn't even notice interesting one of the highlights so they there called was it a silhouette car. So, yeah. effectively, it's a full carbon chassis with a, a Porsche engine and Porsche suspension. It's, it becomes a silhouette. Yeah. And what does it weigh? It's still quite heavy it because it's got a heavy motor. So, it's got a, a tubular steel frame and then it's got a, a carbon body, carbon skin. So, they don't save a hell of a lot of weight. They're not using like, like your amazing Alpha 4C has a carbon hmm. monocoque. It doesn't have that. So it doesn't benefit from that kind of light weight. But remember, that still has to have all the mod cons and what. It, so it weighs one point three or four tons. One point two five. One point two five. Singer or a roof? Or a mm. roof? Mm. Yeah, tough one. Eh? The roofs are turbocharged, bag loads of power. The singer's all about lightweight and high revving, naturally aspirated motors. Roof specialised in turbocharging. Yeah, but also singer's a lot more jewellery. It's a lot more about about sort of um, kind of making things glitter and whereas roof is quite functional and still beautiful in its functionality but perhaps actually even closer to the Porsche functionality way. It's more macho. Yeah, it is a bit more macho. Roof for me all the way. So listen, we were were walking around this uh, facility being shown around, amazingly welcoming to us and one of our highlights was we walked into their engine room and their their dyno is actually, what did he say, an old Formula One team diner. It's got this massive torque gauge, like big, huge, huge, huge. Anyway, so we're watching them prep this 993 turbo motor that's about to be tested. And he says, well, I say, can we go and have a look at the motor? So we walk inside. And who's the dude doing all the testing? A South African guy, 22 or 23-year-old South African guy. What a cool guy. Doing his, He did his appy ship there. And now he works for them full time. And he's in charge of... Squeezing all the horsepower out of the motors, mm. and if it doesn't work, finding out why. What a cool guy. 
cool what job a cool as little well. position, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Flying the flag for us. Proudly, yes, yeah. So nice. you guys went to Roof and then, because you're all Porsche fans, you ended up going to? Porsche. No, <laughs> but another another tuning house that kind of specializes in making special Porsches. So over in the UK, we went to Tatil. Tatil Porsche has been around for a long time. Um, Francis Tatil started, uh, started the firm, I think, in the 70s. And... Um, he kept. He started fiddling with air-cooled Beetles, and then moved on to fiddling with air-cooled Porsches. And no one really understood why. Because mm. um, no they're basically the same, aren't they? They're basically the same. Yeah, ha, pretty ha, much. Ha, yeah. ha, we're oh. all laughing at each other. <laughs> but nobody really understood what the fascination was with these old Porsches. Like you know, they were they weren't worth much money. Um, they'd often been superseded. Um, other manufacturers, you know, had done faster, bigger things mm. and. And these guys, Francis and now his son Richard, they they continued fiddling with air-cooled Porsches. And now suddenly air-cooled Porsches are a big deal. They perfected rallying mm. air-cooled Porsches before anybody understood why they would even bother. And now they're a force to be reckoned with. Air-cooled Porsches are a big deal. There's enormous money and enormous interest. And suddenly Tatil is the place to go to for their expertise. And the ready cars are really cool. I mean, there's just something like like amazing about having this old 911 Porsche on stilts with like yeah. a rally kit and, and like you ice, know, tires ice tires yeah. and underbody protection plates and so are we allowed to they drop? go out and they do their thing it's are we allowed to drop like a news bomb here uh, what are you dropping what, what have well, you, you ordered you, you can't just hint did they say don't tell anyone it was uh, implied implied uh, but then we aren't uh, yeah but anyway but there's, so, a, there's a strong so association uh, between one of the other modifiers that we mentioned earlier. And Tatil. Well, I'll tell you what I'm finding <laughs> unbelievable that's coming out of your trip is that the there seems to be a new generation of skills coming through the ranks, like the guy at Roof, 22 years old, who can work yep. on the old mechanical engines. It's yep. not just electronics engineers no. and things like mm. that. The guys actually know how to hit things. And they're actively giving apprenticeships to guys like that now. Because I think they've realized that the guys that are originally trained on these cars and know the way they operate are going into retirement. And, uh, yeah, now they want to get the new guys through there because it's still relevant. Yeah. So um, so what I want to say about um, Tatil. Mm-hmm. Before uh, we wrap. Before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, is that, um, you know, they say that you should always, when, when you when you have your holiday, you should always, when you come back for your, your holiday, you should always have an, the next holiday planned. And so we've pledged that we want to visit the Tatil Ice Driving School. So you, they take some of the rally cars that they modify, they take them to Sweden to a frozen lake, and you race them over one or two days oh, over cool. the frozen lake and learn driving skills, driving on frozen frozen snow and ice. Uh I just think that sounds magic. So we're doing it next year, boys. We're going to do it. Come no, on, no, everybody. don't do it next year. It's going to be a cargumentative. I need five years to save up for these okay, kind of five trips. Five years, Tom. Five start years. Saving. I'll start saving now. So that's going to be the <laughs> cargumentative road trip. Are you going to wrap uh, this one up? I'm going to wrap this one up. Do you have a good segue? No, I don't actually uh, have a good segue. Sorry. We didn't even get to talk about I've got a good step Martin, though. We'll talk about it in the next segment. Yeah, or in the next show. We, you know. We've got content for days. We can just spread it it's out. That's true. We've got so much to say. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about classic cars.
Welcome back to section three of Cargumentative. We're going to be talking about classic cars in South Africa. And is the bottom falling out? Well, just to put some context. Mm. So in the last 10 years, it's been a very, very good market for anyone who'd bought a classic car. I don't think the classic cars are... Um, alone in this discussion. I think there are certain collectible art uh, pieces mm. and, and a whole lot of other things. Um, but just to put it in context, cars that, that even in this room were bought for literally one-tenth of what they're worth now. Um, so it's been it's been a very good run. But the, the, the stat that I've just mentioned is a bit misleading because I think for the last three years, definitely there's been some kind of a leveling off and now we're starting to see some cars come onto the market that are by all accounts reasonably priced now overseas just to get not to get too economically technical but mm. overseas that market drove it and uh, it's been a a function of very cheap money overseas so essentially if you had money putting it in the bank you'd probably earn almost no or negative interest so it actually almost costs you money to be in the bank so people have been looking for alternative assets to put their their money into. Now, what's happened in South Africa is that it became the the buzzword, and I think the general uh, the the general um, rule of thumb is that if people are talking about um, what they're investing in over dinner dinner parties, it's probably time to get out. Um, and I certainly saw a lot of people getting involved in the classic car market who are not enthusiasts, simple as that. Mm. Now, I think the dynamics around the the market softening, I think now there are cars that are starting to become a little bit better value. Um, We've got to be cautious because with the RAND tanking a little bit, our cars might become quite um, 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 attractive to overseas buyers. And once they go out of the country, they'll never come back. Just our import duty structures won't allow for that. Um, But at the same time, I'm worried about a, 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 a certain dynamic that I think that's going to come come into the market. So you've got a lot of guys who've bought cars at very, very big prices. They, for the reasons that I've just mentioned, they're looking for alternative assets. Those cars haven't been driven, um, and the guys probably don't want to realize a loss. But because they're not driving the cars, probably not enthusiasts, they don't realize the importance of preventative regular maintenance. So what's actually happening? We've got a big pool of future bond funds that are being created now. So the cars are literally sitting around there and the problem with them when they get sold in three, four, five years time is that they get on the surface, they'll look nice and shiny and they'll probably be okay. But because they haven't been driven and they haven't been um, regularly serviced, I think there's going to be some dramas out there. So this, I think, will... Will have dun, quite dun, dun. a quite a quite a negative impact on the on the, on the values here. So just to put that in context, if you what you're saying is that um, if you take something middle of the range from a classic investment perspective, like our favourite Porsche 911, we yeah, all know we all know that um, two tons of SEs. So, so it's nice and rare. Uh, to to put in a to to maintain something like that or to recommission it after a period of four, five, six years unused can cost hundreds of thousands of rands. So perhaps we're not we're not bringing across just how much oh, yeah. such a recommissioning exercise could cost. Um, yeah, but these things need to be driven. They need yeah. to be driven and, and maintained. If they aren't, 
that causes so many more problems. So, so we as avid uh, enthusiasts, do we sit here with bated breath, waiting, go, waiting to become those princes who will who will rescue <laughs> well, these these damsels in distress from their from what, their, from their, their dungeons in yeah. Sandton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in Sandton. Maybe you guys are. So uh, I loved your your diatribe, your monologue, Mark. Um, you climb down off your pedestal for a minute and tell us. <laughs> so, is it tanking <laughs> or not? Yeah, it's definitely something's something's happening. But, but it's definitely leveled out. And I think if you look at it in terms of of the rand, so I mean, granted, there's been quite a serious correction in the rand in the last while. So it's very difficult to always look at it in in US dollars. But there's no doubt the investments that the people had aren't, aren't worth what they thought they were. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'd still rather have my money in a classic car, even if the bottom is, you know, kind of dropping out, then then kind of have it in... No, but you see, you, you're a car guy. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we all would because we're all idiots. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> you kind of know it's... It's probably safer in art, to be honest. It's more or less going to hold its value. You can't drive art. If it fluctuates. Yeah, but you also don't need to maintain art. It's true. <laughs> I don't I don't think the bottom's falling out. I think what's happening is is the word that you used is a correction. I think what happens when, when something like a classic, when classic cars become a popular investment, cars that, for example, uh, three cars of the same model, one excellent, one good, and one in poor condition, start being worth on average more. Okay? Yeah. Um, I think what's going to happen here is that the highs will be lower and the lows will be lower. But the, the middle exactly. range, the good condition cars, I don't think will particularly depreciate. There's always a demand. There's a limited supply of classic cars. There's always a demand for classic cars. And the good cars selling at correct, appropriate prices, I st- still think there's always going to be a market for that. And remember that a lot of the perceived appreciation in RAND terms over the last few years was uh, because of the devaluation of the RAND. Mm. And no, so the overseas <laughs> markets did move a lot. But I think this is where we've got to look back and, and we've got to learn from what happened 20-odd years ago, 25 years ago. In the 80s, mid-80s, you could buy a 328 Ferrari. The next day, sell it for double what you paid. didn't matter what you had. didn't matter the condition. You could sell it for absolute crazy money. The 87 stock market crashed, and with it, took cars absolutely to the cleaners. I mean, you were buying after that. F40s were down at like $150,000, 959s at those levels. I mean, like crazy cars, and then, yeah. like, like, you know, I think everything is, and, and the bottom dropping out. You know, you talk about it, the Rams devalued. So, uh, SCs, they were, mm. they were, guys were asking 900s and million. Now, all of a sudden, you are seeing, admittedly, Targos, but in the fives. Yeah. They're back down where they were about four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but a good car is still going to be a good it's, car. It's still going to be a good car. And I mean, if you got into the game in like two, two, 2009, yeah, if you got in early, you're fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's never going to... But if you, you bought know, last year for a million bucks, you're not, you're not the sure. happiest dude in the world. Well, it's no. like being late, for, it's being late for any party. Yeah. Um, the, the nice thing about us is that we can always justify it because this is a car enthusiast show. We're all four of us enthusiasts. Mm. And the truth is that the worst case scenario we've still got an awesome car. Oh, absolutely. And you can enjoy it. We don't sell anyway. It might be worth (laughs) negative 100,000 rand, but we can still take it sideways around the next roundabout. Oh, yes, we can. If you've got enough power to do it. Um, (laughs) Or if you've got rear-wheel drive, which a diehard who doesn't. Uh, You can do it in reverse? 
You can. And then you've got rear wheel drive and rear wheel steer. <laughs> True that. So, 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 okay, so, very so, unique. All right. Okay, so, so, so in terms of classic buys, okay, what are you calling? Let's call it 500 grand cap. What would you buy? 500 grand cap on a classic car? Mm. Hmm. E39 M5. And it doesn't have to be one. You could buy multiple cars. But how far back are we going? So what's a classic? 20 oh, years. Okay. So yeah. my, my, my hot tip... Um, for the last two, three years, and I still think it holds, is anything Japanese. So the classic car market's concentrated on Italian, German, British, American. Japan was late to the automotive party, and so is late to the classic car party. But man, do they have some nice stuff in their back catalog. 60s, mm. 70s, and 80s Japan, but, but hot even tickets. NSX. But even like mm. 90s Japan, because you NSX, know, fast exactly. forward 20 years, mm. it's NSX like here and now. It's not gonna work for 500,000 Rand. No, it won't. So 500,000 rand. I agree. And saying no, but, that but just he talked about A car um, that's Japanese. out of production. Let's call a car that's out of production a classic. So. Well, no. I mean, you, any car that you think is going to be a classic. So we know smart money the advantage. Oh, absolutely. Future classic. Stop driving. Oh, uh, the tri- he's trying to drive the prices up. <laughs> no. <laughs> also, SL55. Vested yeah, interest. Probably. Love an SL55. An original low mileage SL55. It's on my radar. I personally think that... Um, Alphas and lunches are, are have been undervalued for a long, long time. Beautiful cars. Point. <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> other than the 68 talking Alpha about spiders. and 60 spiders. in yeah. green it was a good year in red. No, Resell no. red, my friend. <laughs> Just to that, <laughs> green not, is for I'm beer not, bottles, man. I'm with Nadav on this one. I think Japanese cars from the 90s. Do. No, because listen to me. People like us grew up in the 90s. Yeah. Okay. And like things that were Japanese still were cool. cool in the they 90s. were. Like Subarus and GTRs and, you know, and Lancers and Honda NSXs yeah, they were. They were. and Type Rs. Those were cool cars. Those were cars that we would, like, talk about in high school. And, you know, we'd find video clips of them doing crazy stuff in Japan. And they were kind 22B. Of, yeah. yeah. They were yeah, yeah. That's cool. This yeah, is yeah. the week. Of the six hundred and fifty thousand rand S two thousand. Oh yeah, I saw that. Mm. Really, six hundred and fifty. How many do you get for that? (laughs) Just the one. What was the mileage on it? Fifty-five thousand kilometers. That's absolutely ridiculous. No, that is ridiculous. There was a misprint. That is ridiculous, and that's a wrap (laughs) for the third section. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to be having an argument amongst ourselves. Welcome back to the final segment of Cargumentative. And in this... Oh, so soon. Yeah. All, all good things must come to an end. Indeed. Indeed. So, guys, I've got a question for you all, okay? Can you call yourself a true car enthusiast if you do not wrench on your own car? No. What, what do you consider wrenching on the car? Well, you know, like, we, we know a man, Matthew Barnes, lives in Parkview and he wrenches on his car all the time. He makes me feel bad about being a classic car owner because he's under the thing, grinding away, grafting in metal, finding rare parts, merging them with other rare parts to create one whole part and like spraying and painting and doing all this kind of stuff on his own. I think you need to at least know where the engine is. You need to know certain necessities. I guess so. But I had to come and rescue on the side of the road the other day because there was a loose wire <laughs> on your battery. Because <laughs> I was You busy. couldn't locate the battery. No, no, but hold on a second. <laughs> Barnes is an interesting 
interesting person in that like I don't think he wants the car to be finished I think he just wants to tinker I mean I've been following his build of his car on Instagram yeah. I think I think Instagram will like cease to be before that thing is actually finished. So? <laughs> yeah. no no but I mean but it's incredible I mean I saw that car um, when it came home and it was like a rusty no he wants it finished he does yeah. want it finished I think it's uh to our listeners have a look uh, at Babylon Joburg on Instagram yeah yeah and follow his build but I think he just gets distracted no but I mean he's done very well and I mean I mean I feel bad I mean I feel guilty because like I consider myself a car enthusiast but I mean there's no way I could ever do anything like that you could no, I'm, I'm no, you absolutely could I could not do it I, I would I would I, I would muck it up it would be a complete disaster. I've done lots of work on cars. The and car all you have to do yeah. is read up about it first mm. and then just start. But do you have to be a chef to enjoy food? No, you don't. So, to your point, you don't have to be able to arrange them. But to you have to be able to eat. So but you need to know what you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched enough Gas Monkey Garage to, to know what I can see. What's <laughs> exactly. And wheel and wheel and wheel dealers. You and wheel of dealers. So I know, like. I've broken. I've broken a lot of. I've broken a lot of stuff in my time, so I'm pretty sure, like what I've broken, when it goes wrong. And Mike, we fixed the Ferrari the other day. No, but in fairness, you broke it. But we fixed it. Yeah, I broke it, but we fixed it. Yeah. Is it running? Have uh, you done I, yeah. I think. I think that there's there's a balance. True, true. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a sort of a pragmatic classic car owner. There's certain things that I could probably do myself, but that I maybe choose to not to because I don't have the time. Um, or the know, tools, or the or the specific tools. Yep. Also, there's a whole industry worldwide that grows up around maintaining these cars. If we were to do it all, oh man, what would people those people would be eat? jobless? No, mm. we're taking away jobs. Listen, um, there's a lot of satisfaction from doing a job yourself on your car. Um, it's not always possible. You know, sometimes you know we've got we've got daily lives to lead. It is easier to get someone to do it for you. I don't feel guilty about it if it means that I can continue to enjoy my car. Uh, having said that, uh, a small amount of technical knowledge and insight is helpful to know if something's serious, mm. if something needs to be looked at, to pick up a problem, to then refer to a mechanic. It doesn't mean you have to fix it, but you know something's Look, wrong. Look, first of all, anyone here could. It's not rocket science. This stuff is simple. And you are an enthusiast. It just helps you appreciate it in a different way if you know how the bits went together. Hmm. You get to see it in a different light. Look, and ma- and yeah. makes it interesting. I mean, So uh, Mike <coughs> claims to not be able to wrench, but I've seen him do it, and he loves it. I don't. He I just really doesn't don't. have the time. Yeah. I he's think he's playing too much down. Down. Really social don't. life going on I really don't. to be able to <laughs> work on his cars. I want to talk about the future of wrenching. Yeah. So we, we right now, we, we're discussing cars that are mm. probably... 60s, 70s, 80s. They're 90s. older than us. They're older than us, yeah. potentially. But what about the new generation of cars? I mean, we're not going to be able to wrench uh, well, 2015 Audi RS4 Avant. Well, 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 Nadav, what do you, what do you call a mechanic these your, days? Especially your, your Cayenne. I mean, you're not <laughs> going to go. not my no. Cayenne. Well, Nadav's got a special twice. name for mechanics these days. Yes, what they're called they? replacement specialists. <laughs> They're very good at changing parts that the computer tells them is are Well, false. that's it. I mean, I'm driving the Range Rover Velar this week. Ooh, Ooh fancy. And Lovely. It has got Awful. screens everywhere. Everything is controlled from like a haptic feedback touch dial. How awesome. You know, the door handles pop out and then they pop back in. 
Wow, what air suspension. This? Will you show us? I'll show you afterwards. But Fantastic. I, like, and I just think to myself, in like seven years' time, ten years' time, that door handle will not work, it and is no one going will care. to be stuffed, yeah. and it's going to end up being recycled. And that's you know just well, the cars way these days are built that way. Yeah, which they is definitely aren't built with longevity in mind. They're not looked at as art anymore. They're not looked at as they field replacement units. Mm. They should be chucked away and made way for new ones. That's it. Mm. Well, I need to ask Tom, as yeah. a as a racing driver, are you the kind of person who spends the time fixing the car and preparing it for the race, or do you like walk onto the grid with a girl holding the umbrella over you and Arrived. get in there, <laughs> break, break, the, break, break the car swirl. and then hand Still it back? drunk from the night before. <laughs> Admittedly, I'm an arrive and drive kind of racing driver. Well, I've been trying to find a girl to hold my umbrella for like the last, uh, well, since All 2010. single girls. Do you do used to have a drink with a long straw? Exactly. Yeah, I do. What is your uh, Instagram handle? Uh, at at Tom Faulkner triple one or at Thomas Faulkner triple one. It's too complicated. Sorry, yeah. chicks. Anyway, but um, <laughs> look, I mean, he's got a face for radio, girls. <laughs> I, yeah, I understand how things work, but I'm scared. I'm scared of getting under the bonnet of the SC because you might what? Get up. Uh, you can't say. I can't that. say it's that. Mine. It's mine. Bleep it out. <laughs> you won't. But but <laughs> I, you know you I can't apart from the Brian, apart no, from no, the, the, the tension is like what else would break? What else could break? I'll, it's a nine eleven. Yeah, it's an break it, and if it breaks, it'll be very expensive. Whereas <laughs> in all the cars I owned in my youth, like my Golf GTI and my Opel Astra, that's when Opel you know, Astra. Astra. But your Golf GTI, Look, that, that, I, that you I told us that it had an enough. electrical problem. I what understand Thomas's you put, issue. The, you put the engine through the, through wait, the, wait, the wait. alternator. I, I understand. <laughs> I, I want to say. a tree. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Thomas's Thomas's issue is you can't separate. Uh, you can't separate the issue of finance from the issue of maintenance. <laughs> and uh, exactly. And the, and you know not all of us in this room can afford to fix what we break unfortunately no. um, so and some of these parts are exceptionally expensive so there's a certain amount of fear and trepidation that mm. goes with maintaining your own car if you don't know what you're doing you do break something it's going to cost you money that you can potentially not afford some of us in this room so so then what do you do do you touch it or do you rather pay someone who's professional who knows what they're doing it's a difficult call mm. no i think well the, the one is we can't we all be got to be in agreement that we can't leave it you definitely preventative maintenance is key yeah. so if you if you can fix it yourself and you're and you're confident that you can do it properly do it and if not give it to a professional or call polluter and he'll he'll sort it he'll out. out. <laughs> i mean i'll do stuff that you know like on my dahatsu i'll i'll attempt to do who wouldn't it's like lego yeah. the risk is less I, exactly and i'll if you do break like it, nobody cares nobody yeah. cares and like they an don't oil, make parts anymore an oil change on that i can do no problem i could probably do the brakes and the pads and i could do that kind Doesn't of stuff it have drums at the back yeah it does it's ridiculous you, you never have to service them does anyone well, else no, have I a car realize. in this group who has drums on any of their cars it's old school. No. 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 Doesn't your Ferrari have drums? No. no. You're joking. It's got discs all around. <laughs> uh, but, but hold on. I just worked on something. Actually, Does the question should be, could people who have drum brakes on their cars be considered petrol heads? Yes. No. Why? What? If you own a Volkswagen Beetle? No. Yeah. Who owns but, but, Volkswagen Beetle? Volkswagen Beetle, the sacred car it's of the classic car world. It's basically a Porsche no, with a better, just, a better just, seating position. I just worked out that I, I actually installed a sound system on my car. When I was Look at you! Was and sub, amp, and like splits. I swear. Did, did the car myself. start afterwards? 
Yeah, I mean, Job I well learned the hard way around how to not wire a, a, yeah. a sub, so I had to buy, I mean, an amp, I had to buy two. Uh, <laughs> there you are, folks. That's how you learn, though, school fees, and now he knows. Yeah, but, I mean, there's school fees, and then there's, like, varsity fees. You know? it's <laughs> a giant difference. Granted that working on a Porsche 911 is... Uh, okay, so, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, we want to communicate to our younger audience. <laughs> they should try. There's no try. harm in trying. Depending on what you and drive, with the with the wealth of knowledge out there today, there's and the accessibility plenty, of it, YouTube, plenty reference so material, much reference material. Mm. Yeah. There's nothing that someone can't show you. Oh. It's simple. I do everything that I can well, myself. Well, actually, I try to find um, a YouTube video on how to change a fan belt on a Porsche 911 SC. You should have found twenty. I found nothing. Crap. Nothing. You could just get a Haynes manual. You did not look properly. A Haynes manual. Your problem is not the fan belt; it's the computer to connect to Google. <laughs> no. okay, so guys look out there there's this there's there's all the old reference manuals as well there's so much stuff online and uh youtube now is a fantastic uh reference uh they'll, you'll almost certainly find what you're looking for don't be scared but maybe rather go in well informed as a counter as a counter if you do try and work on it yourself and you bugger something up, you know the guy that you took it to, who you were taking his business away from, is probably going to cuck on you and try and get some uh, some extra out of you. Can you say cuck always you do that. Bleep that out? I try to change my wife's brake pads. Turns out you needed a computer to move the handbrake back. They laughed at me so hard. They actually charged me double. <laughs> All right. Case in point, so fair warning, folks. So basically, to wrap it up, can you call yourself a car enthusiast if you don't wrench on the car? Yes. Okay. You should be able yes. to, in theory. In theory. <laughs> 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 all right. Guys, that's all you got time for this week. Thanks for joining me again in studio, and we'll be back Thanks next week. Thanks for having week. us, Tom. Thanks for having it's us. It's a pleasure. Fantastic. Tom. Cool, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye now.